Hello and welcome to the Men Able Matters podcast, brought to you by the Men Able Movement. I'm Steve Whitten, the founder of Men Able, and it's our intention to bring you hints, tips and the inside stories from our fabulous guests to help you to understand mental health and to get the global automotive industry talking about it as an everyday subject. So join us with another fantastic guest here on Men Able Matters. So welcome to another episode of Men Able Matters with me, Steve Whitten. Now, the purpose of Men Able is really about getting people across the automotive industry to talk about mental health and to open up about their stories. Now, we know that that's particularly difficult in an automotive business if you are in a busy environment and perhaps you're carrying some stuff from your past or the life that's going on outside of work. And so today's guest, Adam Nichols, is going to open up about his story and tell us a bit about what's gone on for him and how he also now deals with the day-to-day stresses of life and working in an automotive business. So welcome to Men Able Matters, Adam Nichols. Uh, how are you, sir? I'm very well, Steve. Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> You're more than welcome. So, Adam, in uh, good old-fashioned Men Able Matters style, could you give us a bit of an intro as to who you are, where you're from and what you do? And, uh, and then we'll lead nicely into what you want to share about your story. Yeah, fine. So, yeah, Adam Nichols. Um, I'm the group recruitment manager for JCT 600. Been for the company with them for coming up to seven years now. Um, 15 years um, in the recruitment industry. Um, different guises throughout my time. Um, I'm from Bristol. Uh, live in Leeds now. Um, so, yes, yeah, a little bit about me. Okay, cool. How did you end up living in Leeds from, from Bristol then? Was that connected with the job or there's always uh, a bit of a long, story of it. people yeah, long, from one end of the country to the other? Yeah, long story. So I was born and raised in Bristol. I went travelling, came back, didn't want to live in Bristol anymore. Uh, I had friends in Leeds, so I moved to Leeds, got a job, um, met my partner, my fiance. Um, just as I met her, I ended up moving back to, to Bristol for a job. Um, and then she dragged me back up here 12 months later and I've been here ever since. So uh, in total, about 10 years, nearly 11 years. Now, so you work in re- in the recruitment side of things for JCT 600. We know our right. one of the big family owned groups in the UK. Um, now, you shared with me a week or so ago a video that you um did that did the rounds in the business and you talk very very openly about your history and your your past and the things that have caused issues and stress and so on for you so you know and as much or as little of that as you want just just give us a bit of an overview or insight into into well firstly what prompted that and also what what the story is i think that the main prompt from it um as a business you know the last 18 months for everyone really has been a, a real struggle um, and challenging for everyone. So as a business, we've, we've done a lot around mental health. We've trained uh, mental health first aiders, me being one of them um, to really try and get the people in our company to be comfortable and looked after. Um, and, and we all know that mental health, yeah, people do bottle things up and there is this still this stigma around it um 
and me personally, with the things that I've gone through, I thought a, a good way of trying to um, encourage people to start talking was to, to talk myself. Um, not many people do it. Um, and I thought if I can do it, be very open and honest, um, it might encourage other people. So that was what prompted um, the interview that I ended up doing. Um, we shared it internally. It hasn't gone externally. Um, so, so that was what really drove that. Um, it was all organic, really. So, Adam, would you say that that you were guilty? No, I said guilty is a strong word, isn't it? But were you, you know, bottling things up as well? Did you keep stuff to yourself? Yeah, and I, I talk about it in the video. Um, you know, I, I bottle things up for pretty much my entire adult life. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't start addressing things until I was in my mid-30s. You know, I'm 40 now. You know, so for me, definitely, I bottle things up. Um, the, the phrase, and I say this in my video, is that um, the, the phrase man up and get on with it um, was a phrase which was said to me um, countless amounts of times throughout my life. Yeah, yeah. See, that really doesn't help, does it? And, and we both know that, you know, you've worked in recruitment and now in the car industry and those two industries, yeah. you know, can be quite tough, really, can't they? And you know, culturally, that sort of man up type approach has, has been pretty prolific, really, hasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, you know, recruitment is a very stressful, high paced um, role to be in. Um, my background is agency and I, I came internal. But the automotive industry is just the same. It's extremely fast paced and you can almost kind of get lost in your day to day. And you put what's going on inside to one side. Um you know, I was massively guilty of that, and it, it it ended up eating me alive. Now, well, the the and the irony, of course, is you know we talk about manning up, and yet the reality is here you are now, forty year old man, you know, starting to get your stuff together. I'm assuming, um, and and so in order to have done that with what you've experienced, because I watched a video last week, you yeah. know, you, you have manned up. You you've more than manned up. <laughs> You know, and and so it's interesting, isn't it? To think, well, what what does someone else mean when they say "man up"? Do they actually mean just put a lid on it and don't talk about it? Yeah, and I think it's exactly that. And you think when they say "man up," it's you know, you've got your 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 troubles and the things you think about and what's on your mind. Um, and I think that the phrase "man up" is kind of well, you keep what's going on up here and in here to yourself. No one else needs to know about it. Um, and that ultimately, in, in, in the first aid, uh, the mental health first aid that we do, you know, it talks about um, essentially we're a, uh, a pot and it gets to a certain point. Everyone's a different size pot and it can overfill. And, you know, and it's, it's that. And you can keep it bottled up as long as you want, but at some points so you're going to burst. Yeah. And everyone, everyone gets to that point at different stages. Now you work in a talking of that the, the pot because I mean that's an analogy that I've used a lot. But you work in a very supportive business, and I know that they've done a lot to you know spread the awareness of, of mental health uh, yeah. across the organisation. Um, but you know, from your experience of the automotive industry and, and maybe recruitment as well, where you were before, what do you think sort of contributes to that keeping the lid on stuff or filling up the pot? You know, because that's the bit where concerned about um as you say you know there is this there has been this tendency of you know just leave your troubles at the door you're at work now um but what i'm concerned about is what what's going on in terms of the culture and the working practices in our industry 
that contributes to that to that pot filling up yeah um and i think recruitment in terms of the industry and the automotive are very similar in that sense it can be very male dominated so with that you still got the the stigma around mental health and not talking about things, um, which is, is a very old mentality, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that is relatable to the automotive industry. We do know we're, we're st- we are unfortunately still a, a male dominated industry, extremely fast paced. And, and in some roles or most roles, I'd say it's, it's high pressure as well, mm-hmm. you know? So there is this thing, I think, and, we're trying our best to, to, to fight against it, but everyone gets stuck into their day-to-day and to think about mental health as part of that day-to-day almost becomes a little bit too much because mm-hmm. you've got your targets to hit and your day-to-day roles, you've got your customers to look after. To add into that, looking after someone's mental well-being, um, historically, I think, has just been something which people are not comfortable with dealing with um or don't want to deal with yeah yeah ironically of course if you do look after someone's mental well-being they're probably more likely to hit their targets and achieve the objectives yeah absolutely yeah you said earlier you know it's it is a case of um you know the the whole opening up and we say man up and opening up it's it's in my opinion harder to open up but once you do it the benefits are, are there yeah, um yeah. so it's just encouraging it but our industry we're, we're trying to catch up i'm lucky i work for a company which are very forward thinking in that sense um i don't see it across the rest of the industry yet but it's becoming a, a very big topic which is good we get we're getting there very slowly aren't we with, you know, we we're doing and, and with people like yourself you know doing stuff as well it's uh, we will get there eventually but you're you're absolutely right yeah. Um, so to, to the context, um, could you tell us a little bit about your story then? Um, and, you know, I'm very conscious that I know it's, it's, you know, some of it's really, really traumatic. So I don't want to uh, drag any of that up for you unless you're happy to talk about it. But I think it'd be important to understand a bit of, of where you're coming yeah. from, Adam. Yeah, I won't go into all of it because it's quite a lengthy story. So I'll give you a, a bit of a snapshot of all of it. But essentially, as I talked about my I bottled most of what happened to me up from pretty much my entire grown life until I started dealing with it. Mm -hmm. For me, it started, you know, as a young child. Um, Unfortunately, I experienced things within my family which were uh, extremely damaging, um, things that a young child shouldn't have had to experience. Um, That ultimately led up to our family completely splitting. I went with my dad. My mum went off. um, my dad died when I was in my early 20s, suddenly. Um, so all of a sudden, you know, I'm 20, 24, um, still trying to gain kind of some understanding of being an adult and getting to grips with life. And my support just disappeared. I was completely on my own. Um, so that really uh, compounded all of my childhood stuff with the loss of my father Um in my mid twenties and I didn't really understand how to deal with it. I was on my own. Um, and it led me down a very, very dark path, which, you know, only got worse from that point on. Um, ultimately got to a, I wouldn't say it was a head because that wasn't really the point where I tipped, but in, uh, New Year's Eve, 2009 into 2010, 
Um, I decided enough, enough was enough. Um, I was extremely lucky that I had a, a very good friend that figured out what I was doing and, and came and got me and pulled me off that bridge. Um, and at that point, I tried to help myself mm-hmm. and tried to go and see, see someone. It didn't work. I didn't like to do it because I was having to talk about the things that I was experiencing and I didn't like it. So I quit. I stopped. And that led me on to another, you know, fair few years of being internal and trying to deal with things in my head. Um, And it wasn't to the point where I was actually joined JCT 600. Things came to another head again. um, And I was encouraged uh, again to go and seek help. Um, Both from an external point of view and from within the business. Um, And that's what really changed, changed me and, and really set me on the path to, um, I guess understanding myself uh, and feeling comfortable with myself. You know, I think there's this preconceived idea that you you go into see a counselor or whoever it might be, a group, personal, individual, and it fixes you. It doesn't fix you. It helps you understand you. Yeah. Yeah. And what's going on up here? Yeah. Um, and that kind of set me on my path to where I am now. So, at, w- at what point in your journey then um, did you? sort of open up about it uh where you are in particular um so i did uh pretty in- intensive counseling for close to two years mm. um i stopped three and a half years ago um because it came to a natural end mm-hmm. um and i haven't talked openly uh, about all of this um the video that i released was the first time that i've publicly spoke about me um and it's taken me this long to feel comfortable to be able to actually do it um but as i say m- my goal is that someone listens to this and either relates to it or at least gets encouragement that they can go and talk to someone yeah yeah now i, w- I was going to ask you earlier that um the key bit for me across the automotive industry is that you know opening up and talking about this stuff uh is one thing and we absolutely should be encouraging more and more people to do that the challenge that i think we need to work on is ensuring that the people on the receiving end the listeners the the managers the leaders whoever that might be that you open up to have the empathy and the emotional intelligence to be able to deal with what they're hearing and I, I don't mean turning them into counsellors because we don't want to do that. And we don't, as yeah. you said, we don't want to turn managers from people who are managing the performance of a business into psychotherapists suddenly. But there does need to be a level of, of empathy and, and emotional intelligence. And I mean, you're working in a supportive business, but what, what's your view of, of you know, how much work we've got to do in that respect? Uh, and you're right, you know, even if you do mental health first aid, you're not a counsellor. You're not someone who's professionally trained to deal with, with someone, but you are able to, to listen and to at least offer some guidance in terms of what someone might be able to do, even if you're just a listening ear. Mm. Um, but in terms of where we are as an industry, um, you know, it, it's the awareness piece. I think everyone needs to be made, made more aware of, um, number one, any key triggers or anything that you can see within someone that they might be struggling. Um, but also the listening side of it is being that open ear and being, 
um, approachable. You know, uh, so many people could probably speak to their manager, but don't feel that the manager is approachable in that sense. Or they still have this divide between personal life and and uh, your career or your professional life. Um, you know, I do think that, you know, we spend a huge percentage of our time at work. You know, so from a work perspective, there needs to be that ability to be able to listen to someone. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of it comes down to educating our managers, um, even as simple as doing first aid, uh, mental health first aid, you know, just that simple understanding of how to listen to someone. Yeah, just just to be enlightened. I mean, you, yeah, you're, you're spot on. I think if I, if I think back over my career in the industry, you know, I've worked for a mixture of different managers and leaders over the years, and many of them have got to where they got to because they are fantastic operators you know, they're very in tune with what the business needs and how to promote performance and so on. Um, but I honestly, you know, over a long period of time can can actually think of two or three managers that I would have approached in that period of time. Um, yeah. You know, and many that there's absolutely no way would I have yeah. opened up. And I think that's that for me is the crux of the issue. Would you say that was the, that's been the same for you, Adam? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I can actually say, similar to you, there's only been two managers in my entire career that, um, number one, have cared, but have also been um, approachable enough to be actually able to talk to them. Mm. Um, and I think that's, you know, that's the main problem. It's making people approachable. Um, so, you know, from my point of view, managers, when they're training, there needs to be that aspect of mental health awareness, within their training to become managers. Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. And I, I, so I do think, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it is about the, you know, the opening up of, of the awareness and, and making people, you know, just generally aware and educating them on, on emotional intelligence and, and empathy a little bit. Um, yeah. Not to detract from, from their job, but just encourage yeah. them. Because I actually yeah. think, you know, if you've, if you've got to, I know I'm a bit older than you, but if you've got to our stage of life, and you haven't experienced something that's rocked your mental health, you've been very, very lucky. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'd agree. And I wonder if, if that's perhaps what holds back some managers that they're actually, um, you know, keeping a lid on some issues themselves in a way. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'll go back to my analogy of the pot, you know, everyone's pot is a different size, mm. you know, and everyone gets triggered by, different things you know so you might not have gone through any mass you know trauma trauma within your life uh, but that doesn't mean that you can't be empathetic empathetic um or at least be a good listener and be approachable yeah um you know we're all different all different things stress us out or don't stress us out so you know from from an individual's point of view if you're listening to this and you're feeling stressed or you're feeling um down you know, go and find that person that is approachable. It might not necessarily be your manager. Um, ideally, you know, within our world, you know, managers are kind of that um, that support structure. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just a case of finding someone that you feel comfortable talking to. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Now you mentioned uh, again. Don't want to overly take take you back there, but you mentioned that your friend talked you down from the bridge um what was that actually what happened i mean were you genuinely you know stood on this on a bridge somewhere 
Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was. Um, uh, and I remember it to this day. It was Clifton Suspension Bridge. I, I lived in Clifton Village at the, at the point in Bristol. It was literally a two-minute walk from my, my house. Mm. Um, he noticed I was not right that night, and uh, I disappeared. Wow. Okay, but he had the sense, um, sense or something in him said, yeah. reach out. Go, wow. Yeah, yeah, he did. Um, unfortunately, we lost him four years ago, so losing him was a big thing for me. Um, but yeah, there's very few people, I think, in this world can say someone saved their life, and he was one of them. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for opening up about that. I can and obviously can, can sense how, how touching that is for you. And uh, yeah. I've got a cold shiver myself because I, I had a very similar experience, So, which you know, I think I've talked about before. But um, no, thank you for that. Um, and there was a reason for asking you about that, because obviously yeah. you're now in the recruitment side of things in the automotive industry. And this has been something I've mulled over for a while. Um, and when I, when I said to you about at what point in your journey did you open up, did you, did you mention all of this at the interview? No. Um, and it's, it's a funny story for me, really, because my, my time throughout the business, you know, I've grown as an individual. I came in um, a complete closed book. Um, and my manager um, would probably say this, that um, for the first three or four years she wouldn't have known me she didn't know who I was right so it, it was a deliberately loaded question and the reason being is obviously you're you're now specifically looking after recruitment for yep. JCT 600 and I'm yep. just picturing a scene where you've got you know we've we've already talked about managers that perhaps need educating on awareness and empathy and emotional intelligence yeah so I'm a sales manager that hasn't had that and yep. I'm sat in my, you know where I'm going with this. <laughs> I do. And I'm doing a whole <laughs> round of interviews for a sales exec's job. And there's one person whose CV stands out a mile. But when they come in, the first thing they say is, the reason I'm leaving my current employer is because they don't look after my mental health. And I've got this, this and this going on. And I need to be somewhere where I'm looked after. Yeah. What firstly, what do you think is going to be the typical reaction? And secondly, how can we work with managers to get them beyond, you know, or get get you know, get them in the right place for that? Yeah, I mean, if that does happen, um, you know, and again, I'm fortunate we work for a business where we've got a very big infrastructure in place that can manage that. Mm. Um, but if you don't, it's it is very much a case of, you know. For me, for someone to open up like that in an interview, that's, that says a huge amount about that person's mm -hmm. uh, character. Um, and the fact that they can be that honest with you from the outset, um, again, from a character perspective, just says that that person is a very strong person yeah. and very comfortable where they are. But from a manager's perspective as well, you, you also know that you're going to have that aspect of, um, of that person to manage. And again, it comes down to the training. It comes down to being able to understand that some, some people, uh, and a lot of them, you know, as you said, there's very few people um, that go through life without having some mental impact on themselves. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, you know, when we recruit, if that ever did happen, and I can't say that's personally ever happened to me, but um, if it did, 
you know, it's outlining what a business can do, um, you know, if they've got support structures in place. Um, but also from a manager's perspective is just being very aware of that person, regular updates, how are you getting on, being personable. Um, you know, as I said, work takes up such a big percentage of our, our life, but to split work and life and completely be separate to me is unrealistic. Yeah. Um, you have to be as a manager um, interested in your employees' well-being, both professionally and personally. Yeah. You know, that's a very good point, because for many years as a sales trainer, I was trained people to be genuinely interested in their yeah. customers. And we always used to say, you know, be interested to be interesting. Yeah. And I think what you've just touched on there is that that's a really good point. Actually, you know, managers and leaders need to be genuinely interested in the people around them yeah. to, to get the best out of them. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I was guilty of this, but I very much separated my work and my personal life completely. Mm -hmm. Um, to the extent where I was a completely different person inside of work so I was outside and the biggest thing that kind of released me in, in some ways is that I stopped that professional persona I just became me mm -hmm. um, so from a manager's point of view managing someone is really if you do think someone's holding that kind of barrier between personal and work life is try and break through that a little bit and understand what they do yeah. from a personal perspective um, you know, I was lucky enough in, in my place now I had a manager that was interested in that yeah I, I think that's um, you know in, in the main across the industry uh, that's a massive leap of faith for, for managers to, to become like that yeah um, and, and you know there's a I have an example recently of somebody that I know who really was suffering with some mental health issues you know lots of stress lots of anxiety um, quite a depressed individual as well with lots of yeah. trauma and a history going on with marriage breakups and so on um was working in a car dealership um wasn't getting the best uh you know sort of level of support so he left yeah. went for another job somewhere else and the recruiting manager in that business their priority was how many cars did you sell in your last month yeah. you know now this individual could sit there and say oh i sold 25 cars um, but the reality of that was, well, actually they didn't do anything to, you know, manage that individual's, um, mental health. And that was the, yeah. that was the, the driver of that individual moving jobs. Yeah. 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 And, you know, we, we all know if you're happy in what you do, you're good at what you do. Mm -hmm. Um, generally speaking. Um, so, you know, if you've got all these things going on in the background, you know, it, it does impact you do what you do on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah. and your performance so you know it's, this is why i'm such a big advocate of, uh, of mental health awareness is that you know from a business perspective you know if we can at least start making people understand it and talk then you're going to make a, a much happier workforce mm -hmm. um ultimately it becomes a better workforce i think yeah absolutely we're definitely on the same page adam I think so. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. Really, really appreciate that. And, um, you know, we'll look forward to keeping in touch and having more conversations with you in the future. I'm, I'm sure. So, uh, yeah, thanks for this, Steve. Brilliant. Thank you. Take care. Thanks. You've been listening to Men Able Matters, the podcast brought to you by the Men Able Movement. If you'd like to get involved, join us at menable.org. 
follow the hashtag Menable. Join us again for another podcast where we'll talk to more fantastic guests and get their hints, tips and insights to their personal stories too. See you again soon.